turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, we're going to be finishing our, our series uh, on the church, um, ending in, in, in celebrating what God has given us uh, in Himself uh, as a church, um, as we celebrate communion. I'll read the passage, 1 Corinthians 11, verses 17 through 34. I'll pray, then we'll dive into the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as the church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine might among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat. For eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you, have, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, so he eat the bread and the drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things I will give directions when I come. Let's pray. Father, you are a great God. You are a God of uh, power, a God of holiness. And God, you are a God of judgment. God, you hate sin. And God, when we enter your presence, we are reminded of our own sin. So God, we first stop and we confess our sins to you. Uh, The sins of this past week when we did not honor you as we have should. God, as we have um, lived for ourselves and not lived for you. How we have been prideful in our hearts, putting ourselves in front of others. And God, we pray now as we confess our sins that you who are faithful and just would forgive us of our sins and that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, we pray for us as a body that that would show itself in how we treat one another, that we would be full of love and grace in our congregation, united around the gospel. But not only us, Lord, we pray for those Uh, in our community, uh, who are gathering this morning. Uh, We pray for Scott Davis at Northside Baptist Church as as that church gathers, God. We pray that through the preaching of the Word, that church will be formed and shaped in your likeness. God, we we pray that you purify that congregation, uh, that it would be a positive reflection to our community, uh, that you are real. Uh, God, we pray that now for ourselves. As we open uh, the Word of God, God, we pray that you would speak to us. We pray that you would speak powerfully through your Word, God, I pray that I may decrease, that you may increase, that your name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, would be exalted this morning. 
Uh, So God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts uh, to partake, even now, um, in feeding on your word uh, before we feed um, at the table. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, If you are a parent uh, or a grandparent of a child under the age of 10, you have most likely memorized the lyrics to every song on the new Disney picture, Frozen. Uh, The movie has taken the country by storm. Uh, The title track of the movie is called Let It Go. It recently won an Oscar for the best original song, and it captures the freedom of individualism. Uh, The middle of the song, Elsa the Ice Queen sings, I quote, it's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No, wrong, no right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go, let it go. I am the one with the wind and the sky. Let it go, let it go. You'll never see me cry. Here I stand, here I'll stay. Let the storm rage on. The song is sung in a defiance to the world's judgment and condemnation of her individuality. How dare you condemn me? I am going to stand on myself. She's going to let go of worldly opinions and live for herself. She says, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. Now, although the song is musically excellent and deserving of an Oscar, it also emphasizes an individual freedom that is debunked through the rest of the movie. Uh, This Uh, true freedom that the movie portrays is never living for yourself in a kingdom of isolation, but rather living for the benefit of others. Our world wants to highlight individualism when God says it's about community. The movie goes on to highlight what true love is, where one sacrifices oneself for the sake of others. Elsa, the one who sang that song, is not the heroine of the story, but her sister, Anna, who was willing to lay down her life for her sister. One sister runs free and ends up a prisoner of isolation, while the other sister dies to self and in so doing demonstrates what true love is. The promise of individualism, that individualism brings freedom, is a lie. It is the the spirit of the age. Jesus Christ did not come to die so that we could we would be free to serve our own individual passions and desires. But he came to die so that we could be free to serve him. Listen to what the God's Word says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him for whose sake died and was raised. Jesus Christ came and died to destroy our individualism so that we would live for him for whose sake died and was raised. See, Jesus modeled for us the life that we're called to live in laying down his life for his friends, in giving of himself. We, likewise, should give ourselves for others which we celebrate this morning in the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper gives us an opportunity to reaffirm our love for one another and our willingness to put the community, to put the, the body in front of self. 
This strikes the face of everything that you see in our culture. Our culture ultimately is not about you. It's about how we, God has saved us to serve Him and to serve each other. Uh, so today, as we finish our series on the church, I thought it would be fitting to give us ourselves an opportunity to re- recommit, to reaffirm our love for each other by remembering, reflecting, and rejoicing in the sweet gift of communal fellowship. I'm going to, art, going to look at three aspects of communion. When rightly understood, should purify our community and strengthen our bond with one another. Three things. If you want to follow along with me on the outline provided for you, uh, the first point, the importance of regular communal fellowship. The importance of regular communal fellowship. Uh, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper uh, in, his, in celebrating the last Passover um, with his disciples. I know that was a long passage to digest in Exodus chapter 12, but that, that was the, the start of the Passover. Well, Jesus, during the Passover, implemented the Lord's Supper. We read in Luke 9, twenty-two nineteen, and he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Before Jesus was crucified and killed, he wanted to help his disciples understand why he was going to the cross, why he had to suffer and die. So he gives them these symbols, the bread and the wine. The bread is a symbol of his body being broken as he would bear the sins of the world in his body on a tree. And the wine was to symbolize God's forever covenant with us, his blood, where we can be fully and freely forgiven. But I want you to see here that when Jesus gave his body, how much love was with this gift. Jesus says, my body is given for you. Jesus gave himself in love for us. Isn't that what we are called to as a a body of believers? We are called to give ourselves, give our time, give our our, our resources, give our, our very selves for each other. So when we come to the table, we are reminded that God himself gave out of love himself for us. Likewise, we give ourselves to each other. Communion is important because it gives us a visible aid to help us remember this death of our Lord Jesus. Look at with me in verse 23 of this morning's text. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The mental activity that goes on when we um, take the Lord's Supper is remembering. We remember what God has done for us in His Son, in His brutal death and in His resurrection. We remember that Jesus Christ has done for us in his life, death, and resurrection. We remember that he died in, for our transgressions and for our sins. We remember that when we had no hope, Christ came to us and died for us. 
We remember that we are now reconciled to God through His blood. We remember that we have been declared holy and blameless without blemish because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We remember that we are qualified now to share in the inheritance of the saints in the, in a, in a, in a, to an inheritance that will never perish, fade, or spoil. Beloved, we remember we get so used to doing the rituals of the Christian life that we have to understand that God gave us this so that we would remember. We are new creations in Him. Paul says that we should regularly take communion to remember. Look what it says in the text, verse 17. In your meetings, verse 18, I hear that when you come together as a church, verse 20, when you come together Verse 33, when you come together to eat. Verse 34, when you meet together. Do you hear it? The Lord's Supper is for the gathering of the church. We are the church. We don't come to church. We are the church. He even says it very clearly in verse 18. I hear that when you come together as a church. So the Lord's Supper is given to us to unite us together. To unite us together as a church. This is the place where we put differences aside. We put our selfishness aside as we come together to participate in the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says in the previous chapter, 10 verses 14 and following. Therefore, my beloved, flee from the idolatry. I speak to you as sensible people. Judge for yourself what I say. The cup of cup cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread. We who are many are one body. If we all partake of the one bread. Hear that unity. The reason why it's important that we take communion together is so that we remind ourselves how we give ourselves for each other. That unity is important. So, as we gather this morning, are there divisions among us? Are you harboring bitterness towards anyone else in our fellowship? Have you been refusing forgiveness to anyone in our fellowship? The table of our Lord is one of unity. Be reconciled to your brothers and your sisters. If we are going to be a true church where membership means something, then when we come to the table, we got to get ourselves right with the Lord. Which brings me to my second point, the influence of real communal fellowship. The influence of real communal fellowship. The regular practice of communion is important because it reminds us to live differently. God's people are not the people of this world. We are called to live different than them. Deadlines serve people. Every week, I have deadlines. I have to get up here and preach. So when I get up here and preach, guess what? I better be prepared. I better be ready. When I have to, at the end of the week, I have to have a forerunner article written and done because it's got to go out. Deadlines serve us. Um, Because we know when we have a deadline that we'll get the things done by that deadline. What communion is, communion is a relational deadline. What it does for you, it gives you an opportunity to make sure that before you come to this table, you are right with God. And that you are right with God's people. This is your deadline. So when we regularly celebrate it, 
we should be prepared to come and participate in the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see why I tell you, I told you a month ago that we were going to celebrate communion? I I keep on reminding you again and again. Why? Because I want you to get yourself right with God and with each other. Jesus says himself in Matthew 5, 23, 24, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. So before we come to the table, if we are going to be a true, holy church, get right. Get right with God. Get right with each other. See, but communion also influences our hearts to, to look ahead to our ultimate victory. It, it reminds us to take our eyes off the here and now, the temporal things of this life. Listen to what Paul says in, in verse 26. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Lord's Supper is God's Word made visible. We, we, we actually touch the bread. We actually eat it. We feed on it. We actually take the cup and we drink it. Remember, Paul was writing to a complacent church, a church where there was, it was ripe with divisions and strife, with bitterness and pride. They did not fully understand what it meant to live as the body of Christ. They were not using communion to influence their hearts towards serving one another, but for serving themselves. So Paul says, when you come together, I can't commend you because you are not thinking of others when you come together. It is so bad that when you come together, I can't even call what you do the Lord's Supper. The Lord has no communion with you if you don't have communion with each other. Rampant individualism was expressed in their actions. They let go the ideas of serving others. So Paul reminds the church, wherever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death. We are literally preaching the Lord's death. So when you join the table today, you are preaching a sermon. You are preaching a sermon saying that I believe in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, that his body was broken for me, that his blood was spilled for me. But also, we are proclaiming that one day our Lord is going to come again. It says we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what this does, first of all, to the believer, can I tell you this to you? When you partake the Lord's Supper, it reminds you to turn from your sin. Now, when we come to Christ, we, we have renounced our former lives of sin. We now live for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. But some days we struggle, don't we? Some days we struggle with jealousy, we struggle with bitterness, we struggle with lust. We deal with struggles. So when we come to this table, we remind ourselves that one day we're going to be judged for our sin in our bodies. How we speak, how we think, how we act. And it reminds us that you know, because we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes, we want to make sure that we are right with him. But even if we are walking faithfully and strong with the Lord and we are returning from our sin and trusting in Him, what we're doing is we are, we are giving our hope. We are putting our hope fully in what God will do when Christ appears. Our God is going to come again and He will give us final and complete victory. But it also proclaims to those who do not know the Lord. There's many people here, there may be some of you here who do not know Jesus what, what, what the Bible says is every time we take the Lord's Supper, we are proclaiming that a day of judgment is coming. God is going to come in power, in majesty, to judge this world. So communion is an invitation. It's an invitation for you to turn from living in yourself, to die to yourself, to receive Christ as your Savior, that His body was broken for you, that His blood was spilled for you that you don't have to face the judgment of God because one has been sent to take it for you. 
You just have to look to Christ. You have to look to Christ. You have to hold on to Christ. You have to believe in Christ. This is not a small matter. So when we come together as a church, we are preaching the gospel. So after church, at the door, I'm going to say, way to go, preacher. Preacher, you're preaching the gospel to our world. Well, lastly, we understand the imperative of responsible communal fellowship. The imperative of responsible communal fellowship. Uh, Because we know how important this is as a body, um, it helps us put our hearts, fix our hearts in loving God and loving our neighbor. It's, it's vital to the health of our church. So as we think about the importance of the Lord's Supper, let us look at the imperative in these verses. Verse 27 says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number have fallen asleep. But if you judge yourself, you would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so we will not be condemned with the world. Um, when we approach the Lord's Supper, we do, for, we do, we do it carefully, uh, soberly, introspectively. Now, we know the Lord's Supper is for sinners, but it's for a particular kind of sinners, repentant sinners. We don't come boasting in all that we have. We come boasting in nothing except Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. So this morning, are you struggling with unrepentant sin? Turn to Christ. Are you willfully harboring anger or bitterness against someone in your family or in this church? Turn to Christ. Examine yourselves. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment upon himself. What Paul is referring to there is when you eat and drink without discerning the body, without thinking about how you relate to one another, you are drinking judgment upon yourself. We must examine our hearts, get ourselves right with the Lord. So if you are here and you are struggling with sin, in a few moments you'll have an opportunity to repent and be reconciled. Uh, while we prepare the elements uh, for communion, look inside, examine your heart. When we have a time of silent confession of sin, don't just use that time counting the seconds to go by. Think about how you have wronged God and believe and trust in His death and resurrection on your behalf. And if I would, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. The Lord says very clearly. Um, that if we don't approach the Lord's table uh, with an air of self-examination, He will discipline us. The Lord disciplines those He loves. Uh, But the Lord is also faithful. He says, if you confess your sins, He will be faithful and just, and He will forgive your sins. Because His Son's body was broken, His Son's blood was spilled for you. It is a glorious and wonderful thing when God's people take the Lord's Supper. So if you are here with us today and you are a baptized believer, a member of good standing of a church of like faith and order, you are welcome to the table. Um, We would encourage you, um, if you know that you are not right with God or God's people, um, 
to, to take this time to think and reflect and to witness the gospel lived out in front of you. Uh, we are glad that you are here today, and we would love to have you as a member of our fellowship. Uh, now, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, let me pray that God would prepare our hearts to um, participate in his body and blood. Let's pray. Father, we come now um, as we approach your table. We first want to stop and examine our own hearts. So God, in the next few moments, as we prepare the, the elements, God, I pray that you would show us our sin, show us that you are a great Savior, that you are a mighty Savior, that your grace far outweighs our sin. God, remind us of how much you loved us in sending your Son to die on our behalf and be raised for our justification. Uh, We love you, Lord. We pray that you would meet us now. In Jesus' name, amen.